Hello, and welcome to Ranking 76, where we review and rank the heroes and villains of the American West. I'm Eric. And I'm Matt. And we are out of Arizona for a while. I think I might have teased we were going back to Arizona, but I'll be honest with you, that's that's a lot of murder that we just covered. <laughs> um, I'll be honest, it's not less murdery today, but at least it's it, it's different murder. Isn't that better? Different. It's Is it on the prairie? No. Um, so after we stopped recording Geronimo, Matt was like, so who, who are these people? Why are we covering them? And I said, well, they were celebrating an anniversary. And then he said, well, how did it go? And I may have just showed him one of the sources I used. Um, Matt, can you just name the, can you just read the title of the source? Uh, oh, it? that's right. I remember that. Murder at the Mission. Frontier killing. Ring, ring, ring. Now, if you've not heard the Marcus and Narcissa Whitman story, obviously you're going to hear it today, but uh, <laughs> it has less than a happy ending if we haven't put a forecast on that yet. <laughs> Who do you think dies? Don't tell me it's like uh, the Red Wedding from Game of Thrones. <laughs> Is it two lovebirds getting together and then... The entire wedding party just gets slaughtered. Oh, no. Eric's giving me a weird look, everyone. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. I would say that's not. Ac- it's not accurate, but it's not terribly inaccurate. <laughs> Why don't we just find out? Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, of course. So I think this is actually the first like two person episode we've covered. I tried splitting these up into two episodes. It was it was too much. There was no need to. So we're just Marcus and Narcissa Whitman judging them together because, well, you'll find out. Anyway, Narcissa Prentice was born near Lake Erie in upstate New York on March 14th, 1808 to an upper middle class family. Her father was heavily involved in the church in the area, including being on a committee that investigated sinful behavior, which I'm sure was just a barrel of fun. Narcissa's father wasn't the only one who was religious. The entire area that they lived in was known as the Burnt Over District, which it got its name because it had been preached over by so many pastors during the Second Great Awakening in America that many rural uh, New Yorkers had converted to Protestantism. Literally, these people had been preached over again and again and again and again and so again and again and again. Protestant was the main religion in that area then at the in this at area. time in this area. Now they do now the the Prentices and the Whitmans, what will be the Whitmans, um, they kind of believe in Calvinism, which is a, just a, another form of Protestantism. Um, we'll get in that into a second, but to Narcissa, even at eleven years old. She was reading about missionary work and loved the idea of going to a faraway place and converting non-believers. She wrote years later, and see if you can spot a red flag in this quote. She wrote, quote, I frequently desired to go to the heathen, not only half-heartedly and to do it, but until the first Monday of January 1824, I felt that I felt so consecrate myself without reserve to the missionary work. So even at a young age, she really wants to go to the heathen. Just subtle racism. Yeah, it's very subtle. 
Subtle for the time. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Narcissa wasn't the only one swept up in missionary fervor, as there was quite literally a committee dedicated to that exact subject, called the American Board of Commissioners of Foreign Missions. They were based in Boston, and they would be bankrolling any missionary effort anywhere, but especially with an eye on the West, to convert others to Protestantism. So with the missionary work, was it to convert Native Americans or was it to convert like the um, people moving out West or was it both or was it just anyone they could? Anyone. Were they like so door to door? Anyone. Let me talk to I you. Mean, I could see them going door to door, but they were, they, they wanted to convert everyone, but the, like, this is an ongoing theme, just with the West. The West has always been viewed as the future or the opportunity. And this is no different. Like, this is a new, another sect of people that we can convert. And if we get there early enough, they'll be in our version of Christianity and not this slightly different version of Christianity. <laughs> they'll be in, yeah. Which is a very big deal to some. They'll believe something uh, just a scooch different. <laughs> just a scooch. And I, I will be honest with you. I, I am uh, not big up on religion. I don't know much about it. So I actually reached out to Brie from Pontifex because uh, I don't know if you know, they're they're doing all of the popes. Now, Protestantism isn't the, the best thing. The popes are not a fan of Protestantism, but uh, she was nice enough to answer. I asked they... Uh, Narcissa is a Calvinist, so I basically just asked, in in a way to explain to an idiot, what is a Calvinist? And she said, uh, depending on how simple you want to go, Calvinism is a Protestant sect that believes in predestination, and that's generally what sets them apart. Predestination is essentially the belief that the fate of your soul has already been determined and willed by God. So the second so you were born... So that belief is no matter what you do it's already been decided god's already made so it up interesting i did not know there was a i guess i i i'm like you i don't know much about religion but i, I guess i wasn't aware that there was a christianity that i guess believed like that i thought it was all like your own choices Choices, good, bad. That's what decides. I didn't know there was one. Now this is, this is probably outside of the scope and like a much broader conversation. But like, could couldn't you just do whatever you wanted if God has already determined what what where you're gonna go? Uh, that's where I was kind of like going. Like, if if it's ar- predetermined, yeah, you could literally do whatever you want because your belief is it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. What a fun topic. <laughs> <laughs> now, the only one, because I remember learning about it in school, is like a, a Lutherism. Lutherism? Is that? Lutheran. Lutheran? Yeah, but like. Boy, we are not. This is not our subject. <laughs> That's not our forte, man. But the one we learned about in like, I want to say I learned about it in history in like high school. I mean, yeah. We had there's to watch def- like movies on it and stuff. I mean, Martin Luther and the nailing up on the church door and all that good no. stuff and yeah you know interesting yep. though about it that it was in school where did you know that there is a podcast called pontifax that will eventually explain a lot of these things 
You should go listen to them. They're huh. fantastic. <laughs> Thank God Thank for breathing. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> anyway, so because Narcissa's family was so involved in the church, Narcissa had access to more education than more women of her time. At 16, she went to a religious academy in Auburn, New York. And by 19, she was enrolled in a private academy where she met a man named Henry Harmon Spaulding, who apparently we became enthralled with the young woman. But it seems like Narcissa wasn't all that into him. He was friend zoned pretty quick. There's very little detail. So speculate whatever you would like. But at some off, point, go ahead and speculate. Say, no, I was going to say, and because of it, he went off and created a sports company. That is like 50 years into the future. But yes, baseball and basket. Yes. For everyone that doesn't get that reference. <laughs> that Spalding. <is> hey. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I see. That was so random. I should have said that. As, really as soon as you that. said Spalding, it popped in my head. That's all I could think about. Like, when can I get in to see that joke? Anyway. Oh, you got it in. <laughs> anyway, that sounded rude. I'm sorry. That... <laughs> All right. So anyway, speculate what you might. Very little detail, as I said. But at some point, Spalding did propose to Narcissa. She said no. Spalding would hold a grudge for a while. So just just keep that in mind. But what would make this particularly stinging for a young woman who wants to go on missionary work, not being married kind of disqualifies her from like teaching and going on these missions. That had to be an especially bitter pill for Spalding to swallow. Meanwhile, as Narcissa is shooting down Spalding, there is a young man we need to enter in this story. His name is Marcus Witzman. Uh, he is a young doctor who is very religious. His mother and his father died at a young age, and his caretakers wanted him to become a doctor. And when he, because he was living in the Burnt Over District, he was taking up into the religious fervor as well. Fervor. Goodness, words are hard today, apparently. Just as Whitman was reaching his peak curiosity, word came up from St. Louis that a group of natives from the Flathead tribe came from the Pacific Northwest to St. Louis to ask, to ask none other than William Clark about God. Now, why? It seems like, obviously, we know William Clark. We had a whole trilogy of episodes on their expedition <laughs> clark became a big deal he really started his career after the expedition well william they talked to clark they had heard about this black book that ended up being the bible that they believed could give them powers and it could save them it could give them healing powers all of those things that you would imagine now they had a legitimate curiosity over the Bible, and they wanted to learn more. So they sent four men to go talk to someone in St. Louis. It ended up being Clark. 
But believe me when I tell you that when natives show up to talk to William Clark about the Bible and maybe converting to God, the public ate that up real quick. You could not think of a better headline. And now we're going into this uber-religious sect in New York. So now everyone's feelings are like, you know, I think we should head out to where they are, which happens to be the Pacific Northwest. So back in the burnt-over district of New York, a preacher named Samuel Parker begins preaching about the, quote, four wise men or the four natives that came to talk to Clark that came in and they wanted to be saved from their heathenism. When he preached, he came into the town that Marcus was staying in and asked for volunteers to come west with him. Marcus was eager to join, but there was one problem. He was single. While it wasn't a complete requirement for missionaries to be married, it was definitely preferred, which is kind of reversal uh, from most of the tales we've told. You see a lot of single men heading west, and it's okay, but in this case, you're kind of doubling your efforts and doubling the Christian population when you set up send a married man and woman. Also, it sends a nice uh, peace mission symbol, I guess, kind of like Sacagawea. It's not a bad thing to have. So they definitely preferred a married man over a single one. So Marcus was kind of given a, yeah, we nah. like you, but, but maybe, maybe just go find a wife, you know? But was there, so was it just because it was frowned upon or because Narcissa wanted to remain single to do mission work, right? You've kind of picked up on that. Narcissa oh. wants Mar Narcissa wants to be a missionary really bad. Like that is her her dream. Uh Spalding has proposed to her. Doesn't sound like he's a great person, but we'll get into that. So she's just kind of single. She wants to do things, but she's kind of being held back. But then Parker gets done talking in the town Whitman is in, and he goes to the town that Narcissa is in. She takes up the same speech heard by Marcus and finally sees the opportunity she had been yearning for. And she asked Parker, quote, is there a place for an unmarried female in my Lord's vineyard? And Parker said he didn't know. <laughs> and that he had to write a letter to the American board that if females were wanted out West. Single females were wanted out West. But he suggested while he's writing this letter, there was a young man in the last town that was asking to go West that he was single. So uh, I don't know. Maybe you two should write a letter. Well, Parker ends up talking to Marcus. He suggests that same thing. And well, Whitman proposes very quickly. It's not. Do they even know each other at this point? There is like one occurrence that they may have been in the same room. I can just see Marcus uh, at the uh, uh, Narcissa. 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 Yeah, exactly. Like he doesn't even know how to say her dang name. You know, you're not wrong. Um, yeah, they might have known each other at like a family dinner gathering but that's uh that's it and he he proposes and 
I think Narcissa thinks about it for a little bit, but she really, really wants to go west and wants to be a missionary. So they're married. To give you an just to give you the the personality that Narcissa was, and she is a a somber character. In her own wedding, she wears all black. <laughs> I don't go. I don't go with the norms. <laughs> I don't think this is goth because then she gave. She sung a hymn at her wedding, and it went quote In the desert, let me labor. On the mountain, let me tell how he died, the blessed Savior, to redeem a world from hell. Let me hasten. Let me hasten far in the heathen lands to dwell. How romantic. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the hymn was, And tonight will be the night that I will fall for you ever again. <laughs> I mean, I, I do have the dot, dot, dot after, so that's what it is now. <laughs> She's flipping her hair constantly. Hey, guys. <laughs> God's sake. I gotta repaint my nails black. <laughs> Was there possible like I also picture like a black veil with very black eyeshadow and just <laughs> like mascara that has clearly been running and she's been crying all morning because she really doesn't want to get married, but <laughs> nurses, uh, do you take Marcus? Yeah, I guess whatever. Just keep whatever. going. Let's just get this over with. <laughs> it doesn't help that uh Literally the next day in February 1836, they're on a wagon going west. <laughs> like, so they both and, wanted it so bad that they would yes. do anything, which is kind of interesting because I'm pretty sure most religions aren't, aren't like, just jump into marriage. We don't care. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be your impersonation of her the rest of the episode. <laughs> yeah. She's just going to spurt out random 80s rock music. <laughs> Talk about what a small mouth she has. Also on this missionary work was another Henry Harmon Spaulding, who had apparently gotten over Narcissa, but he married a woman named Eliza, and they're on the same trail west. They're going to be neighbors. How awkward. That's Narcissa as she's just singing 80s tunes the entire time. <laughs> just a small town girl. You can just see a very bitter Spalding and like an Eliza who in gen in in just outside of the joke, Eliza seems like an incredible person, like a really sweet, tender person. And then you have this Narcissa and Spalding, that weird dynamic. How much she knew, I'm sure she knew all of it, but man, how awkward. Poor Eliza. That's who I... Isn't that... And Eliza ended up being... Oh, no, that, never mind. She went by. I had to look it up quick to make sure I was going to make the, the best joke. Eliza was Hamilton's wife. Yeah, Eliza. Eliza Hamilton. Well, it was Elizabeth, wasn't it? Eliza. She went by Eli Oh, I'd have to look that up. I know Eliza. That's all I know. Good, good, uh, good play. Check it out. <laughs> Just the play. <laughs> Not the real events. <laughs> no. So they're moving west, and this isn't. This is eighteen thirty-six. Uh, the Donner Party hasn't even happened yet. 
Oh, wow. Eliza, Eliza and Narcissa are quite literally, to, to our knowledge, and I do kind of hate these generalities, but they are credited of being the two first American women to take the uh, what is essentially the Oregon Trail. Oh, no way. Settle. They're considered yeah. the first two? They are credited to being the first two. Now, my pet peeve with that, there's no way for you to know that. Right. Because somebody may have just went west and it just wasn't documented. However, this is the first documented that we can kind of point back to. It had to have been a fun trip for Narcissa because she becomes pregnant on the way there, which, to be fair, not much else to do, is there? And they're going by, like, carriages and stuff. Wagons, Wagons. and... And if that wagon wasn't a rockin'. <laughs> Out on the open road. Oh, she's gotten over the 80s now. She's just now going to show tunes. <laughs> hey, that was from a Goofy movie. Oh, I'm very sorry. You'd think I'd get my references set up. By the end of the year, they settle in the Pacific Northwest and are relatively uneventful other than some drama between Spalding and Whitman. Now, there isn't much getting around, but you can imagine a very jealous Spalding having some snide comments to Marcus. So, But other than that, there's really nothing. There's a funny story about uh, mountain men being like enthralled with Eliza and Narcissa because they're like the first two American women they have seen in two years. <laughs> but other than that, it, you know, they made it. They settled. Hooray! Uh, the Pacific Northwest is an interesting in that it's not really claimed by anyone. It's disputed area, but it's between the United States and Britain. But there's an agreement that citizens from either country can claim land equally. Now, the only place that I can kind of think this compares to is Texas, really during like 20 years before this, but where Americans could cross the border and settle you know, what was then Mexico and they could do it. It's kind of the same thing uh, just to help populate. So the British merchants that are in the area already are concerned about the presence of Narcissa and Eliza. When news got back that how smooth their journey was, this would then encourage more Americans to move West, which would give a population advantage to the Americans. And in the long game, give the territory to the Americans. Just kind of keep that thought in the back of your mind the entire, like throughout this episode, it's never going to like come up, but just keep that thought in your, in the back of your head. Without much of a choice, the British merchants do agree to deal with the, with the missionaries or that are being set up with the understanding that those who follow them will trade them in the area, making it more profitable for the British. So maybe they're giving up the territory, but they're going to line their pockets while they do it. But anyway, the reason the Whitmans and the Spaldings are here are the tribes. Now, the tribes that they're going to stay is kind of the Cayuses is what's going to be the predominant one, but it's also the Nez Perce. Uh, there's also some flathead tribes. You'll recognize the Nez Perce as the from Lewis and Clark. Um, they're the ones that had the option to kill them and basically take all of their all of their things. And they chose not to. Um, <laughs> yes yes they were the ones that uh like didn't the chief like hold on to the boat or something like that no that was the teton sioux oh okay. um, this okay. is when literally they voted to kill them 
and then Wat Kui spoke up and said, no, I was treated well by a white person when I was younger. That's Do right. not kill them. That's right. And then instead they like kept him over the winter and trained him, right? Or and like showed him the... Yeah, completely flipped. Yep. And helped them basically get to the Pacific. And this is about 30 years later. So you would have had people that remembered the Lewis and Clark expedition. Like a generation removed. Right. Now the Cayus, who the Whitmans are going to be dealing with, are very small in number, but have a really fierce reputation. They're one of the first tribes to breed horses dropped by the Spanish expeditions the century before, which gave them a tremendous advantage when it came to raiding. And they would even go as far as California, taking slaves and gathering their wealth. Leaders could have up to as many of a thousand horses in their herds, which would make them a hell of a trading partner for anyone who wanted to work in the area. Some of these would even trade weapons, even giving them a bigger advantage to a small tribe. They are small, but mighty. Do not mess with the Cayus. They are a warrior band who will mess you up. <laughs> it's like the little brother. Come on. Come on, I'll beat you up. Let's go. Come on. But this time, Scrappy-Doo will knock you the F out. (laughs) (laughs) The downside of Europeans and now Americans entering the area for the Cayuse and for the natives' perspective isn't necessarily trading. It's disease. Now, you see this when the pilgrims land, that when the pilgrims show up, there's literally bones bleached from the sun because disease took over. Uh, and wiped out entire tribes. This does the same thing to the Pacific tribe, Pacific Northwest tribes. When they start trading with them, and when disease starts wiping through, it wipes out as many as 90, 80 to 90% of tribes. It devastates them. Well, to the no point of... And stuff back then. They had no immune system. There were no cures. It got to the point... To where if a medicine man or someone who was trying to make them better, like I, 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 not a doctor because Europeans honestly didn't care much, but those who thought that they had healing power, if they didn't heal the sick, the Cayuse would kill them because they failed. No. So like you're saying like uh, the med- the medicine man of the tribe or whatever, like if they couldn't cure anybody and their tribe started dying out, they would just kill them. It would kill them because they failed. No, it's not their fault. Uh, it's not their fault. They don't know that. Now, should we go back to Dr. Marcus Whitman? <gasps> bum, bum, bum. Foreshadow. <laughs> How subtle. <laughs> I was really trying, shadow, to, shadow, 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 shadow. <laughs> I was really trying to figure out how I was going to play this episode, but I think just like blunt truth is probably the best way to go with this. This is funny how you said it. Shall we go back to Dr. Marcus Whitman? <laughs> oh, they murder all of the healing powers. Dr. Whitman. Hmm. <laughs> Welcome. Reporting for duty. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not why they're there. They're there to save some souls and dig some holes. Yeah, but I guarantee he's going to start saving people and then con- try and convert them, saying he was the powers. Let's find out. <laughs> I was like, you had more to go on there. I was kind of interested. Yeah, we will find out. So 
initially, Narcissa is thrilled. Not only are is she doing her lifelong dream of doing a missionary work in a faraway land, uh, it also turns out that the winters are much better in the Pacific Northwest than New York. The missionaries also brought modern products such as glass windows and stoves. But quite quickly, Narcissa starts to turn on them. And we're talking like weeks, months into the trip. Um, keep in mind, Narcissa is pregnant at the time. So she's obviously, she has an infant that is about to be born. You're going to be very protective of that and having a bunch of, you know, strangers around them. Not ideal. But she would even write letters within the first year that the Caius leader was, quote, full, uh, full of manner of hypocrisy, deceit and guile. He is a mortal, mortal beggar, as all Indians are. If you ask a favor of him, sometimes it is granted or not, just as he feels it is granted. It must be well paid for. She would then complain that most natives had fleas and that her and Marcus had built a room for themselves in the mission house just to be separated away from them. Dang, chill, girl, dang. Very quickly, it turns. By contrast, Eliza Spaulding actually learned the native, the, the native language of the Nez Perce and became familiar with their local traditions and religious activities, something Narcissa will never do she just refuses she, well, she hates not, them so she does not have the interest to learn their language <laughs> she sounds wonderful how about that uh come join our god i don't like you very much <laughs> you all suck join my religion now essentially yeah Going back to Eliza, though, for a moment, by the end of 1837, she is actually teaching the Nez Perce how to weave and then taught them hymns and the teaching of the Bible. The Whitmans uh, don't don't do that. In fact, they're, they're not very well liked, as you would imagine. The Spaldings, pretty much the opposite tale. Why well, can't this episode be about the Spaldings? Um, I mean, I could. <laughs> there's enough there's enough on both of them I could, but uh yeah. It's maybe. not called the Spalding Murders. <laughs> no, it is not. So in March 1837, the Whitmans give birth to a girl named Alice. Alice is credited with being the first infant born in the Pacific Northwest. Good for her, I guess. <laughs> Despite uh, her first impression, she does allow the Cayuses to come and see, to come and see their child, who they seem to be quite fond of. And Blaine Harden, biographer, uh, biographer Blaine Harden suggests that much like John Baptiste on the loose with William with Clark, that the child brought uh, some of the missionaries like a good omen of a partnership. So good for Alice. She's not doing much when she's born, but she's a nice little peace symbol. Unfortunately, when Alice is two years old, oh, she, yeah, this is this is he said, unfortunately, yeah. So Alice is unfortunately swept away from a river when she's two years old, oh. as her parents were reading in the living room. They spent hours looking for her and it took uh, 
a Caius elder to dive into the river just to get the body back. What are you doing? Let a two-year-old run around outside. Jeez. It sounded like they were literally just reading. They talked to her for like they were talking with her. And then she just she wanted to get a drink of water. And just went for it. You've been around. If you've been around a two year old, this is not. (laughs) They're sneaky little people. And fortunately, (laughs) one minute they're there, the next they're not. This one just had the ultimate worst ending. So for Narcissa, who was already kind of down on the trip, she, to be honest with you, she never really recovers from this, as you would imagine. But when you're there to be a missionary, and you're not learning the language you're now you just lost your child in the one of the worst ways possible you got to be feeling really lonely and then obviously depression sets in is there a, a a length to the trip um i don't know if i heard you say it or is it just forever oh you're living there okay so the mission trip was a permanent a permanent relocation essentially yeah i mean I'm assuming if if you would like to move back, you could, and they would send out other missionaries. That obviously happens, right, but right. the goal is, you know, to establish yourself. This is now your home. Right. Now you might ask yourself, just going off that point, why wouldn't Marcus and Narcissa just return? Well, it turns out the Spaldings were writing back that they were doing very well, that they were converting multiple natives over to Christianity. The Whitmans hadn't done that. So if they would return, they would quite literally just be failures. So it's not a little bit of pride for them to stay in. The missionary work was being watched closely with every letter that was returned home. This is a big deal to the American board over in Boston. It is also the belief that they needed that Narcissa and Marcus needed to be tested by God. And the only way they could do that is by serving the mission to return home would show that they were weak and unable to spread God's word. That is what's keeping them there. Spreading God's words was something that they were not very good at. Whitman's had a very high standard for converting the Cayuses over to the church. They believed the converts needed to have an epiphany that dramatically altered their belief in behavior, as well as they expected to cut their hair, Uh, wear white people clothes, abandon their traditional nomadic life, forsake uh, collective ownership of land, accept private property, settle down as farmers, embrace, quote, hard work, learn to plow, (laughs) live by the Ten Commandments. Just a few things. Just a few. (laughs) Just minor, minor changes to your life. Minor changes. Embrace hard work. <laughs> no, I will not embrace hard work. What is no, absolutely not. So because of this high standard in the 11 years, the Whitman's are there. Uh, take a guess how many they convert. Zero. Two. Oh, I was going to say two. Dang it. Now I have no doubt those two. Fully committed. We're, we're fully just, committed. <laughs> were those just Spalding's, uh, you can have them. You can say you did them. Yeah, they just want Thank you. Feel, Thank you. feel bad for them. <laughs> we brought you two. Is there something you want to say? We, we're converting because of you. There yeah. you go. <laughs> say it again like you mean it. 
Did it, did you ever uh, did you look at it, how many the Spaldings converted by chance or no? Yes. Let's oh, get okay. into it. Okay. By contrast, Spaulding would write in his letters such as quote, "We might as well hold back the sun." From, from its march as to hold back the minds of the people from religious inquiry. We can't stop them from learning about God. They want it so bad. They write that they do have more success in the Whitmans, and turns out Spalding might be telling a bit of a lie. Turns out, and like what I haven't really I haven't done a good job of explaining, the Spaldings are, uh, they're, they're converting a lot. Like a lot, a lot. Are they like, like a suspicious amount of Cayuses? Uh, like maybe more than could be there. You know, I didn't look that up, but it's definitely like <laughs> a possibility. <laughs> you're a convert, and you're a convert, and you're a convert. Like, you're all converts now. I'm pretty sure he just went around. And they're all looking around, them. like what? <laughs> You know, I can't confirm this, but I'm not sure he didn't just bop them on the head and say, you're now a Protestant. <laughs> so how many, how many did they legit? Legit? Yeah. Well, that's, that's speculation. <laughs> but anyway, as far as the American board knows, when the Spaldings would convert, um, would convert all these and send it back. Turns out it's it's very easy to tell a lie to the board when the people you're converting don't actually speak your language. Right. That is until a uh, a reverend who actually learns the Nez Perce language uh, finds out just how annoyed the Nez Perce and the Cayuses are with the missionaries butting into every aspect of their lives and essentially giving a gigantic middle finger to their ways and traditions. It turns out Spalding Spalding was very fond of the whip. And for an unknown offense, he gave a woman 70 lashes. What? Here I am thinking that Spalding's were good people. Uh, Thanks a lot, Eric. (laughs) <laughs> Eliza, I think, is a genuinely good person. Her husband, however, monster, not so much, not not so great. He, I could do like I'm thinking about doing like a little mini bonus episode on him because like most of his story is going to be wrapped up in this, but he kind of continues on and continues his douchebaggery. Okay, okay, yeah, but for now, uh. Other than being butted into their ways and traditions, the Cayuses get annoyed that the Whitmans and the Spaldings preach of a miraculous God, but to the views of the natives, no miracles have ever been shown since they had been there. Attendance in the church went down pretty quickly. And again, they grow frustrated as the missionaries had built very large houses an ever-growing farm acreage, but they essentially wouldn't pay rent to tribal owners who gave them permission to settle on the land. The tribes also rejected the idea of property. Sometime in 1841-1842, a Cayuse later leader named, uh, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but I believe it's Telakaite, allowed horses onto Whitman's fenced-in lands. When the Whitmans complained, Telakaite punched Marcus in the stomach. <laughs> 
and told him to stop talking. <laughs> stop talking. Poof. I'm not so sure. I'm pretty sure he called him a nerd after that. <laughs> went over to the went over to the river and dunked his head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever the I mean, hopefully he didn't go over to the chamber pot, but a swirly would have been given. A couple days after being punched in the stomach, Market uh Telekite returns and demands that the mission leave. When when Whitman refuses, Telekaite grabs Whitman by both ears and threatens him, not only with his hands, but with his axe. It's getting really? real serious. I was, just, about, I was literally up. just going to say, she's getting serious. I'll say it is escalating really quickly. One warrior went in and threatened Narcissa with a hammer. So they're getting that fed up that they're like, leave now. Yes. The Whitmans didn't leave, but the message has been sent very clearly where the tribe sent. A little after a year. So do you remember the the person that learned the per- the Nez Perce's language? The, well, the pastor? The pastor, yes. Well, he starts writing letters back to the American board of like, uh, there is some shady stuff going on here. It is not hugs and rainbows here at all. In fact, we're near an uprising. This is embarrassing. You need to remove these people. Inside the camp, uh, from another man named Green, he would report back to the American board that Spaulding would continuously argue with the Whitmans, and most of them speculated it was in some type of jealous rage over Narcissa. So even the missions themselves are not getting along. Now, it's going to take a while for these letters to head back east to the American board and then back with their ruling, but essentially the American board fires Spalding immediately. And then they have to send the letter six months across the continent. So he's, he's fired now, but in, in six months, it's going to take the Whitman's also get the brunt of it because in the letter, they're going to get removed. And to make it even worse in the letter, they receive back in, it says, quote, this to the committee is extremely painful and humiliating. It is the alternative to which they have fought by other missions of this honor of the cause. The trust may never occur again. Not only are you bad at your job, we will never trust you to do this ever, ever again. <laughs> but can you imagine, like, you said that, oh, they're fired. Six months later. <laughs> oh, we got fired, honey. Dang it. Like, we must write a letter back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Six months later. Even better. Um, Marcus ain't going to take it. He's going to head back to the, and he's going to go talk to the American board in person. Marcus is? Marcus is. Well, Spalding. Spalding wants to, but you get the feeling like Spalding and Marcus are like, yeah, we're going to do it. And Marcus is like, okay, I'm going. And Spalding was like, I should probably stay. I don't know. I'm so needed here. The ladies you... need me. I, I really got to stay. I'll, I'll protect everything. Marcus, you though, you, oh, that makes so much sense. Like you should, you, you're so good. You've converted a person at this point. Cause the, so Marcus was just going to yell at them, but he wasn't fired, was he? Uh, he's going to get, he's, he, 
this is where it gets a little confusing to me because Spalding is like done. <laughs> like, <they laughs> and never, ever kind of coming back. <laughs> the Whitmans are like incompetent to the point where they should probably be replaced. And that's kind of like, you're not fired, but we're probably going to send someone out. So you don't be surprised if home. a couple more missionaries show yes. up at the door. <laughs> Um, cause you, this is not your thing. Now that's probably pretty welcoming news to Narcissa. Like deep down, she probably, she does really want to go home because essentially she has stopped missionary. She hates the natives that are around her. Uh, I, it's literally just, you need to be tested by God and pride. That is why they are there. So Marcus literally travels across the country to argue in front of the American board. And he is so earnest to do it that he shows up in front of the American board and he's ready to give a speech. And they look at him like, take a shower, come back tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, but I had a, I had a speech. I, I, I'm, I'm all sweaty. And this, this is, this is what I want. No, no, no. Seriously, go buy some clothes and come back tomorrow. They they kick him out for the rest of the day and have him Are come you back. you serious? Yeah. Nope. Come back tomorrow. Which had to be a real kick in the groin. Right. That had to be a to real momentum stopper, that one. <laughs> the amount of times he probably went over a really heroic speech across the country. <laughs> How long would it have taken at this time to get back? couple like months? Say, well, because you got the Missouri River, so it's just like the Lewis and Clark thing, you know? They, oh, where they were able to speed, like, cruise? Yeah. Yep. And it's a lot more, you know, they they know a more shortcut, so, like, right. four to six months, essentially. I think, well, I'll say anywhere from four to eight months. Four would be really quick. I'm just going on the way back, so nobody get angry at me for saying that wrong, if I said it wrong. Uh, Narcissa isn't going to go on the isn't going to go on the trip back uh, mainly because she has been very sickly really since the time she arrived in the Pacific Northwest. So she just feels she would slow down her husband, but she get the sense that she probably wanted to go, but she was unable to. Okay. So the next day, so Whitman, again, he was told to come back, come back tomorrow. So he has to hold on to his heroic speech for one more day. And then the board asked him probably a question he was not ready for. The The board essentially asked him. Who are you? <laughs> yeah, no, that, not that, Matt. But they basically said, why did you abandon your post to come here? Oh, my God. <laughs> we we never fired you, so what are you doing here? What are you doing? Like, this is hey, it's been good. more than three days. Uh, no call, no show. I'm going to have to job abandon you. <laughs> <laughs> so Whitman then probably really has the winds out of the sails at this point. He's in nicer clothes than the day before, but boy, they get the feeling. He you was son of a... I don't know why I left, sir. I'm very sorry. But Whitman essentially claims that everything is fine. Really? Like, it's great. We're all friends. And then then, then he asked, but we could probably use a little bit more help converting all of them. You know, if you could just send out more people with us, don't fire me, please. That would be great. Uh, they could then farm. They could then just 
establish more colonies in the Pacific Northwest. Wouldn't that be great? So he essentially changes his entire plan from converting natives to now just... Just creating a colony? <laughs> We're going to have more Christians in the area one way or another. <laughs> we won't convert a dang one, but I'm going to bring them. Coincidentally, the same year, 1842, 1843, it's going to see the Oregon Trail exists, obviously, but this will be a big growth in the in people who use the Oregon Trail. So more people are coming that way anyway. But if you're an outsider and you hear Marcus Whitman if you've heard the letters, when believe you me, they were published in papers saying of all of the successes of the missionaries in the Pacific Northwest. And one of those missionaries to the public, he he shows up and now he's saying everyone should come here, should come to the Pacific Northwest. Uh, everyone's going to the Pacific Northwest, aren't they? To an outsider, that's what it looks like. However, people were just moving west. Uh, they were just they were just doing it. Yeah, they it was happening anyway. This is just like the absolute best timing for Marcus to come in and do this play. To the point where uh, Blaine Harden, who I've quoted a couple times in this episode, he really has a stick in his craw over the Marcus Whitman is a reason that the Pacific Northwest became American because that ends up being like a... Uh, um, a thread, I guess, throughout American history is that Mark Whitman brought in all of these Americans and Blaine Harden spends, I don't know, 250 pages telling you why that's bunk. Why it's have, not true? No, it's not. I mean, that's right. not, it's kind of out of the scope of what we're talking about. Well, we can talk about it more in the, in the ranking part, but boy, does he really, that theory bothers him a bunch. So again, we're going to zoom back to the Pacific Northwest, which in reality would take quite a bit longer. But Whitman returns to the Pacific Northwest, this time with a lot more Americans. He is less missionary and more travel guide and obviously a more experienced one because he's only he's made the trip twice now. So, like, he's someone. Yeah. Considering he had been preaching for the last several years trying to convince na convert natives, uh, he also had a way with words. Hardin then points out that at this point, Marcus abandons the idea of sating native souls at, at ever. In fact, he writes in a letter, quote, I have no doubt our greatest work is to aid white settlement in this country and to help its religious institution institutions. And that soon the white settlers will demand the soil and seek the removal, unquote, of the Indians and finish by saying the Indians will have no case but to obey and command to multiply and replenish the earth if they cannot stand the ways at others in doing so. They're going to have this land, dang it. One way or another, they're going to get it. They're going to get you. Oh, you get you. <laughs> So while the year that Marcus is away, uh, Narcissa isn't having the best time. Not only is she sickly and depressed, um, literally two days after Marcus leaves, an, an Indian tried breaking into her, into her house. 
Literally, she was on the other side of the door. He is shouldering into the door. And if it wasn't for her screaming, scaring him away, she likely would have been attacked two days after Marcus left. They were just waiting for her to leave or him to leave. I don't know if they were waiting for him to leave, but it was basically somebody tried breaking into their house. I don't think it's related. Are we sure it isn't Spalding? Maybe. (laughs) It cannot be confirmed nor denied. Also, maybe it was Eliza just trying to get away from (laughs) it. I'd do it. Speaking of Spalding, he's having an equally good time. On more than one occasion, he has a gun pulled on him. He is almost severely burned when he's pushed onto a fire. And the only thing that stops him is he was wearing a really thick buffalo robe or else he would have gotten severe burns. I love it out here. (laughs) It's so great. (laughs) He doesn't know he's fired yet. So. (laughs) No, wait. Yes, he does. I take that back. I was just about to say, I thought he, that's the whole reason Whitmore. You're right. You're absolutely right. So that really is kind of. The, the the year Whitman is away, there is a lot of little events like that that are just like they're just escalating a little bit, not a little bit more because he was thrown on a fire. But in the camp, this is known as, quote, uh, the the time of a thousand little harassing events. Like there's no singular big event, but there's enough little events that it just it's clearly escalating while Marcus is away. Desperate to stop the events from happening, the missionaries uh, try to make laws with the tribe, and they eventually come up with 11 that the tribes eventually agree to. Now, some of them they've kind we've kind of come across before. Uh, they include orders of execution for anyone who had taken a life or burned a house. Uh, basically, if you were a native and you hurt a white person... You would be tried by the white people instead of your tribe because we obviously can't trust you and your laws because reasons, right? The chiefs accept these laws, though it's unclear if they really understood what they were accepting and if they truly understood their sovereignty was being undermined. Once the Nez Perce, the largest tribe in the area, agreed to the lies, the other tribes essentially had to be peer pressured into doing it. And with peace barely holding on. So Marcus returns just as all of these are bubbling up. What great timing for Dr. Marcus Whitman to make his return. What also comes across with more Americans come more problems. This problem is in the form of measles. Now, Dr. Matt, how how do the Cayuses and the Nez Perce treat their medicine men? If you ain't treating, you dying. You you ver- you dead. You you better be healing everyone. No. So Whitman has been uh, warned about this probably every day when he probably said, "Hi, my name is Doctor Whitman," and they're like, "Seriously, dude, do not treat. Do not." Don't. You're not a doctor. You're not a doctor. No. Nope. Do not say it. Do not heal them. Do not treat them. He's one of them thinking doctors. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so anyway, uh, measles outbreak happens. Now, if you are the natives, and Narcissa even points this out in her letters back home, 
if you're the natives and you are now seeing more and more Americans entering the area and now disease is starting to become rampant, you're going to start assuming. I wonder who we blame. I wonder. Yeah. <laughs> There's something aloof here. Hmm, before now, these people, we had nothing. Now with these people, we're dying. This hmm. is bad. We need to do something about this. Now, there is speculation that this measles outbreak is not uh, brought on by the Oregon Trail, but it was by a raiding party as far as California that was going through a measles outbreak that it is known that the Cayuse is raided. That's how they think. That's one theory and how it spread it. But let's be honest, there's no way to really track that. It's a good theory. I would believe it, but it doesn't matter. It's happening and it is destroying some of these tribes. Not as high as the 80% that we're, that we talked about earlier, but when you factor in that natives are dying constantly, and then you have Americans who are also getting sick with the measles, but they have a, a lot uh, a stronger immune system to it. So not as many Americans are dying from the measles to where natives are dying left and right. And again, Dr. Marcus Rittman is helping both of them. Oh, no, I don't like where this is going. What is a? I know we get a, a shot now, but what it was the cure for measles? Uh, is it anything, or you just kind of got to ride it out like chicken pox and stuff? Because what is the shot we get now is what mumps, measles, and rubella or something like that, isn't it? Something like that. Um, measles. Yeah, MMR. The MMR shot, right? Mumps, measles. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shot. Uh, it's a virus. That's all I really wrote down in my notes. But according to uh, the internet, ever reliable, um, it's a respiratory tract infection commonly found in children. Symptoms include cough, fever, and skin rash. And then, obviously, if you're not immune to it, death. <laughs> and then, obviously, if you're not, yeah, you're dead. Quite the escalation there. And a lot of people died from it. And honestly, measles, we haven't come across a lot. A lot of tuberculosis here. Um, cholera is a big one. We haven't touched on it a lot, but it's cholera and TB are really the big diseases we we deal with. Unlike syphilis, tutoriferous. <laughs> Seems like every other episode. So as the Cayuses and the Nez Perses see their young die, they also start hearing of American atrocities such as the Trail of Tears. Oh, so this is like the perfect brewing pot. Yeah, it's not great. It's not a large leap for them to think, well, if the Amer more Americans are living and we're just dying, is Dr. Whitman poisoning us so that more Americans can come and take our land? Oh, no. Must kill medicine man. Must kill medicine man. So by November 1847, so I make it sound like that was within like a couple weeks after Whitman. This has been growing for like three or four years. But by November 1847, as many as five Cayuses are dying a day and action needs to be taken. And on November 29th, a chilly, foggy day, 
several cayuses come to the come to the Whitman's missionary and ask for medicine. And Marcus opens the door to then have a tomahawk plunged in his skull. So he was opening up the door to help. And he got an axe in the face. Yes. My question. He's still alive? <laughs> uh, I mean, well, it might be. Depends, if right? The tomahawk, if the tomahawk to the head didn't do it, um, he was then shot as he was falling to the floor. Now, he's not dead yet. And keep in mind, the Cayuses had also murdered three men. Uh, that were out tending to the cows and then just three that happened to be outside that day. So six are already dead by the time they get to Marcus. But what's also what I should also point out, it's not just the Whitmans that are there. There's 75 people in this mission house. This is a very large property. Most of them are women and children or passersby. Now, what I haven't really covered is that Narcissa never has a child again after Alice drowns, but she kind of takes some of these immigrants. So like if you if uh, there's a case of somebody whose parents died on the Oregon Trail and these orphans, essentially Narcissa was taking care of them. That's who's living in this mission house. And now they're about to be attacked by these Cayuses. Marcus is on the floor Basically, not basically, he is he is dying. He is not dead yet. He is still alive to the point where Narcissa sees what's go like, hears what's going on in the kitchen. Doesn't see the natives are there and then basically drags her husband into the living room and she's trying to care for him as much as she can. The sounds of gunfire and war cry shatters the silence in the area. Standing near the window, Narcissa was shot in the shoulder and stumbled backwards. She begins praying and reportedly kept repeating, Lord, save the little ones. By pleading with the warriors trying to stop the massacre, Narcissa believes that they've reached a compromise. Getting weak from the blood loss, she agrees to them be carried out and then supposedly taken to safety. However, once the doors open... And for Narcissa to be carried outside, she is shot and left in the mud outside the house. So she thinks the fighting's over. She's going to be let out of the house, gets out there, and they kill her. Yes. Chief Telecate then enters the house to find a barely alive Marcus Whitman. And trust me, the details are there. But in brief, he mutilates the body. And by the end of the attack, 12 lay dead, including 45-year-old Marcus and 39-year-old Narcissa. Narcissa was the only woman killed that day. Any children? Uh, yes, they were. T- nobody, no children were murdered. And to Narcissa's credit, she does kind of hold off. Like, I, she accepts her fate pretty quickly that she's likely dead at the end of this. And she buys time for, for many, like for the children and then some of the men that were in the house time to escape. Like they're, they're literally like leaving the window and she's trying to like hold off and like do this negotiation where she's safe. Keep in mind, she is shot in the shoulder this entire time bleeding. 
and she is again to her credit trying to save everyone it's a real uh quick ending so what happens to the mission there then i mean it's effectively abandoned for a bit um eventually and again at this point the spaldings are not there anymore they left no the spaldings are there oh they so they were there for that yes because well it's a little it's a little bit weird because spaulding was fired essentially but it's not like they could force him to return home him and eliza live there you have your lives there um but it also turns out that um mark or uh spaulding was still preaching in the area he was also on that hit list that day but he was out of town or else he would have been murdered too it's very sudden and trust i could have i really i really struggled on how much detail to put in the actual massacre typically i try to not put a much because like there's there's a whole story on it like I, I could have went into a lot more detail however it's just really it's gore for the sake of gore and i'm not about that like it's one thing if it adds to a story and actually like explains but like they were just brutally murdered because they were terrible missionaries and marcus decided he could heal some of the natives but i'm wondering if he would have never helped them and just helped the americans would they have been took that as he's not helping us so the same outcome probably i mean well yes and no i don't the likelihood of them being murdered was pretty high honestly once he returned back because it was clearly escalating but once it does seem like once the natives started like looking for answers like he's poisoning once you get to the point where you, somebody is poisoning your people like conspiracy theory level it's already over something bad is going to happen in that outcome right so yeah it's real somber um it's not it's a very quick ending uh for what that matters but you can definitely see it leading up you ready to uh are you ready to rank them let's get started okay first round are you satisfied this is our biography round we will be handing out negative 10 points apiece to positive 10 points apiece depending on how good we thought their story was you know i thought their story was interesting and i think it's because this is kind of the first well this is definitely the first time we've gotten into like uh the religious side of things yeah with you know americans moving west and i didn't know a lot of that so i thought it was pretty interesting to see how you know someone i thought it was just a bunch of people that went west and just started spreading the word i didn't know it was you know a big they had providers back on the east you know fielding the trip um i don't know how i feel about good old marcus i feel like narcissa probably didn't know what she was getting into and realized crap this sucks uh you lose a kid 
and then you got to live literally probably like 10 feet from where your kid died. Yeah. Um, That's a good point. I don't know, though. Overall, I thought it was pretty interesting. This is very hard to score. What's that? I think this is very hard to score. Because, like, I don't. I don't think I would like either of them. I wouldn't like to have a conversation with either of them. I don't think they're terrible people. I think they're very, I think they were very set. They they had strong beliefs and then they wanted to convert. But once they realized that this was going to be really hard and it wasn't like, once they realized that it wasn't going to be them talking aloud to a very eager and listening crowd, Narcissa almost checks out immediately and Marcus really does a heck of an arc for a character. He goes out for religious regions, realize he's probably going to be replaced sometime soon, travels back to the United States at the absolute perfect time, delivers, I mean, a speech. I won't tell you it was a great speech, but (laughs) <laughs> I'm here to make a point. Come back tomorrow, you slob. Why you? Why did you leave? <laughs> I do think that was very funny. Like, I can't imagine how deflating that would be. But it's it's just a very hard story. I don't like the reasons they went out there to uh, convert the heathen, according to Narcissa. But I don't think they're bad people either. It's weird because we always... I don't know. Every, uh, back in the day, it's I feel like that was a big thing, uh, a, a big thing in everyone's life. Um, religion and trying to get people. Um, it's just weird to look at it from like an outside perspective on like what that all entailed and what they went through and like people actually being like, I want to dedicate my whole life to it so much that I'm willing to just get married to a random stranger, essentially. Random dude. <laughs> and then it's, it's almost kind of like the book writes itself when you're like, they're sitting, you know, oh, I'm so excited. Uh, Spalding. Hi. Did you follow me? You could you, you follow me. You know how awkward. I mean, you said it. How there had to be a are you effing kidding me? Like I almost picture like Ned Flanders coming up to Homer saying, Hey doodly neighbor, like how you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Um overall though, wasn't my favorite. No. Did I think it was interesting? Very um so this has a lot of olive oatman tones to me what did i give olive oatman i'm going to say i liked olive story a bit better just because it was a little bit more interesting you gave olive a six you know i was gonna okay so i'm glad because in my mind before you said any of that I, I was going to give it a five and a half. So I think that's what I'm going to rate it a five and a half. Like you said, I enjoyed it. Or I, I, I mean, I enjoyed listening, learning about it, 
would I ever want to meet them? Eh, well, let's not get ahead of ourselves here a little bit. <laughs> yeah, they're not someone you'd want to have a beer with. Maybe I will branch out. Like maybe, maybe in the next couple of weeks, I will figure out how to do like a brief two thousand word summary on Spalding because he. I mean, just to continue the arc, and just in case I don't actually put that together, Spalding basically like flips on Narcissa and Marcus because now they're martyrs. And now he can just preach about that till the end of his life and say, look at all of the good we had been doing. Look how dangerous this was. And look at how many Americans are now in. And it also turns out that uh, James Polk was president and he did more to gain American territory than anyone, including the Pacific Northwest. So it was just perfect timing. <laughs> anyway, back to Marcus. Why did you treat him, man? <laughs> Maybe this, why you had so many people were I'm not kidding. People were warning him pretty consistently. Like, you really shouldn't do this. You just had to throw the doctor title around, didn't you? That's right. I would do the same. As far as a score for both of them. I also give I'm going to match your 5.5 because I also gave all of a six. So and I do like her story more. So that gives Marcus and Narcissa a total score of 11. Next round, be sure you are right, then go ahead. This is our morality round. We're going to be handing out negative 10 points apiece to positive 10 points apiece, depending on, well, how good we thought they were. They're not immoral. They're religious like that. They're held strong beliefs. I think they had... It's like everything with religion. You have good intentions. Mm -hmm. It's just executed poorly. It is the assumption that we've come across countless times talking with native, talking about Native Americans. It is the arrogance of I know better than you. You are a heathen. You follow my way. I say, yeah, yeah, it's arrogance. Arrogance I, and racism. I honestly do, don't think they were bad people, like by by any any stretch of the imagination. No. Um, what are you saying? Three. I mean, yeah, I'm, I was debating. Like a, I was debating a zero, but like, oh, because they weren't good, bad, and different. Because it's like, I don't want to excuse the racism, but like, this is run of the mill 19th century racism. <laughs> right. It's not like in your face, but it's definitely there. Like, it, it their own ignorance is thinking these people will convert because uh, they came and talked to William Clark and now they're all going to like welcome us and this isn't the case. So I don't like it. But I uh, feel like. That happens with religion in general. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, they do that to everybody. It does. The Crusades were fought on the same thought. Right. You know? <laughs> we know better. We have. We know the true God. You are wrong. We'll kill you. <laughs> Obviously, the Whitmans weren't doing that. But 
this is like the first time we've encountered that, like you said in the last round. Like this is the first time we've encountered like religious uh a religious aspect to it. I don't I you're gonna go with three? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How much do you how much of Narcissa's attitude do you think caused by the death of her child? Because I think, I think that a lot. Well, a lot a later lot. on. Well, she was two, so it's not even that because she was born shortly after they arrived. Yeah, I think so, it's. I per. I think. I mean, just based off what you said, like we talked about her. I think she just had a little bit too much over in in over her head. Like she didn't. Right. She had these ideals and dreams, probably. And when you got out there, it completely different. Yeah. No, I agree. She's young. They were both young. They essentially, they didn't even have a fling. They just had a common goal, I guess, like a common hot, not even a hobby, a common goal, I guess is all you can really call it. So I don't, I, I'm just going to match your three. It's a good score. It's a good score. Three total score of six. Next round to hell with the consequences. This is our crazy or clever realm. We're going to be handing out negative 10 points a piece to positive 10 points a piece, depending on how clever we think they were. Well, they weren't. If anything, he's an idiot. I was about to say this might be negative because the warning signs were there, Marcus. I don't know. Well, I mean, you are. Time. It's like when someone says, don't jump. Don't you do it. Don't you do it. You're going to get hurt. Jump? Don't. No. I'll be fine. It'll be fine. What's the worst that can happen? It'll be fine. It's not two feet of water, dude. Watch. <laughs> Surf's up. Thunk. Oh, that's the worst thing. It's also weird judging two people. I don't think Narcissa. I think Narcissa is a solid zero. There is like nothing we can really. She's not crazy nor clever. Marcus, I think we have to skew a little in the negative. I'm going to do like negative one. Because I don't think he was. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't crazy. He wasn't crazy. He wasn't crazy. He wasn't great. Just stupid. Like, don't when when if I Matt, if I tell you that I have a violent tendency to someone that listens to me talk to history are you going to continue this podcast (laughs) right (laughs) you're going to be like you know what i'm out i don't want anything to do with you i think i'm going to go a little bit heavier than one because i just i mean you gotta he basically got slapped in the face with warning signs and ignored them all (laughs) so i'm gonna go negative Do I want, I'm going to three, negative 3.5. I was going to go, I was really going between three and four, but there's a solution for that. <laughs> Total score for that round is negative four and a half, which means we're going to lock in their score. Narcissa and Marcus are at a whopping 20, 12 and a half. 12, 12, 12 and a half I points. knew it. I knew it was low. <laughs> we're going to be continuing to add points to their score if they had the negative we would continue to subtract points from their score 
And to our next round, draw. How screwed are we in it if we had a duel with Marcus and Narcissa Whitman? Eric, I swear to God, if you say we'd lose in a draw, I'm I never talking I'm to feeling you confident this on this one. I feel <laughs> we have finally found a group. We found someone we can beat that I feel confident in. I am not scared in the slightest. <laughs> I've already put zero in for both of us. Is there any reason to come off of the zero? No, not even. Have we because in their zero? counting coup round, it's also going to be a zero. <laughs> uh, negative two. <laughs> When you're we've we haven't considered it. when you're murdered yourself, should we take away from your counting? <laughs> Have we given a zero in this category before? No. Yes, I bet it's Olive. Oh, Olive, yep, yep, right. Olive, yep, Olive, yep. Then we gave Sarah Graves one apiece. <laughs> Boy, I don't uh, want to say it's a turnaround, and maybe we talked about this. We did John Wesley Harden, and then Olive Oatman. <laughs> <laughs> pretty sure we joked about that when we did the show but i can't remember that was like god a year ago yeah i know so long ago all right zero <laughs> sorry marcus and narcissa legacy how well known are they uh we're gonna be handing out points from zero to ten i think this is generational before you have your input I think Blaine Harden grew up in an era that said Marcus Whitman is the reason California, like Oregon is American. <laughs> I'm growing up to write a book based on how this is false. <laughs> I'm not. You basically just read his introduction to the book. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. <laughs> he made it very clear. He disagreed with it. And then. He spent maybe a hundred pages on the Whitmans himself and then the next 200 over why he didn't believe it. I'm just like, dude, you can, that poor horse, you are just kicking. It's already dead. Stop it. So, yeah. Um, I think I, th well, actually, you know more about this. Than me. What do you think? I had no clue who they were, so you know what my score's going to be. <laughs> You're doing zero. I think they are not like A tier is the most well-known and B tier is just underneath that. They're like a C minus. Which to me is like a three. <laughs> I don't know. I think if you have an interest in American West history, which you, you do because you're you're listening to me say this sentence, I think you know the name and I think you know the the murder, but I I don't think you know the story outside of those two things. So I'm I'm just gonna go with three. Which means their whole score is uh three for legacy. Next round, death bonus. We're going to be handing out negative two, or, uh, zero to two points, depending on if we think they had a cool death story. I don't, I'm not giving points, are you? 
I don't want to. No, they were murdered. They were out for blood, and I. Uh, it was brutal, and I, I mean, I almost like well, consider it. Narcissa did have a moment of bravery, and like we could also consider martyrdom. Yeah, and you could say you know her doing that could have prevented the kids from dying too. It did. It 100% did. She did save people's lives by. She knew she was going to die. So she sacrificed herself. Yep. Yeah. Um, one, maybe. Yeah, I'll do one, too. We matched way too often on this one. Not on how they not on how they died, but on what she specifically did. Yes. While dying. Yes. Yeah, two. Counting coup confirmed his kills divided by 10. How do you divide zero? We do not compute. Do not compute. <laughs> we broke everything. Okay. Boy, this is a real sad score. <laughs> uh, let me do the quick math. Uh, is it what? 13, 14? No, because I gave a three. Oh, and then we go, okay, 17. 17 and a half. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> the lowest scoring. I'm looking, but I can almost guarantee it. I'm even trying to think. Oh, 15. <gasps> we have a 15 to William Barrett Travis and the out. I do remember that now that we say it. Uh, 28 for Calamity Jane. Negative 12 and a half for Tenskwatawa. Fitting, because we all know who the rock star truly was, and it was his brother. I won't say his name, because I say it a lot. The prophet. But we all, but we all know. Yeah. Look at you learning things. Look at you. You remembered. Yeah, that is, uh, that's. Yeah, him and her and William Barrett Travis are the lowest of the extremes. Dang. And William Barrett Travis had the Alamo, which is saying something. <laughs> <laughs> he was not just casually racist. He was very racist. <laughs> Pretty sure <laughs> brought him down. Should we draft? We should draft. Go ahead and explain. How we how we're drafting? As you know, Eric and I each have a team based on the figures we have already covered. Each of us only gets twenty figures. The rest go into a free agent pool. We are not quite there. We are almost there, where we're going to have to start either dropping people or putting people in the free agent pool. But Eric flips a coin. I call it whatever it lands on. The other, but the winner gets to choose yay or nay. Gets first dibs. At the end, obviously, big tournament to decide who is the best of the West. I should say, we're not quite there to where we need to drop people. We're, we have 13 apiece, but we're at the point now to where if if we have more than one fig, more than two people ahead. So if I had 15 people and Matt had 13, I cannot he gets automatic first rights. So there's a, we're being a little bit pickier on who we're drafting to our teams. So I'll be interested. Cause I do like this. I like the story. I like the vibe until the end. 
I like there's there's some high points here and then some real low points. I know. I was thinking, am I going to pick them? Am I not going to pick them? They're cool. I uh, heads. Tails, tails, tails it is. For the first time, I'm going to pass. Dun, dun, dun. I was hoping you wouldn't because I didn't know what I want to do. Um (laughs) You know what? I just slap them on my team, I guess. I mean, slap them on my team. We both know they're going to the free agent pool to die at the end of the, the tourney. So. Whitman's. Slap him on my team. <laughs> you know, I, my, my, my inner rational thinking. Next episode is Chief Joseph. But my inner thinking is, I I don't think they're going to win the tournament at all. They might play a spoiler in round no, one. No, depends the on who the that is playing to get into the tournament and lose. Yes, but they're there. They're an honorable mention. They're worth telling the story. Right, right. But uh, they're not getting too far, are they? Or maybe whenever we do this tournament, we have an epiphany. Maybe we love the Whitmans all of a sudden. Doubt it, but it could happen. We'll see. So uh, next up, we're doing Chief Joseph. And then I'm just too excited not to say who we're doing in March. I'm just too excited because we are actually coming up on the anniversary of when HBO released Deadwood. Deadwood. Never seen it. Oh, it's so good. It's very good show. So we are actually going to be doing Al Swearingen and Seth Bullock. And I, I'm, I'm knee deep in the research right now. And it's great. I mean, I've really, I've really liked it. It's fun. I cannot wait. I also think we have kind of an idea for YouTube probably going to get copyright strict real quick but we're not in this for money so bring it on hbo i'm not afraid of you <laughs> but anyway that's for a further episode next episode we're going to be doing chief joseph and um yeah i guess before we leave also full disclosure episode's over stop listening if you want but i i thought it would be kind of fun and by fun i mean nerdy is I really, I like to talk about, I want to talk about the sources I use because, and maybe do not just necessarily a book review, but like, just to give you an idea how I thought of them, some of the things I did. And I always put them in the show notes normally to like their Amazon page. Um, just to, if anyone's interested in learning more, I think that's kind of fun. So um, the first one I used quoted him quite a bit. It was called uh, Murder at the Mission by Blaine Harden. Again, uh, the first 110 pages are very good. Uh, the last 200, you can, I mean, the Whitmans didn't populate the Pacific. Great. We've done it. Point made. The other one, uh, you can actually listen to this on Audible if you have an Audible uh, thing. It's just Narcissa Whitman's journals. And 
They're a little bit more pleasant. Also, Matt, look at her face. How pleasant does she seem? Very pleasant. Does she? <laughs> uh, she's kind of got like some evilness going on. I don't know. Describe. I don't want to sound mean, but she kind of looks like a witch. <laughs> you know, so is that why the Nazpers were dying? What's that? Is that why the Nazpers were dying? It's like she kind of has like a pointy nose um, with that like chin. Big eyes, the big eyes. So, yeah. This is a drawing. Um, this is not. I, I, she was obviously. Dead. That's a drawing? Yeah. Wow, that's a really good drawing. I thought that was a photo. You know, they had some really good artists before cameras. There's this Da Vinci guy. Don't know. He had a famous painting Ooh. of a portrait. No, yeah. I mean, nice. look him up. <laughs> uh, the other two I'll go over very briefly. It was uh, one was Winifred Gallagher's New Women of the Old West. She talked very briefly on Narcissa, but there was a couple good, good points in there. Um, a narrower scope could have really helped her book. She was really all over the place, trying to give credit to every woman in the West instead of just focusing on like five or six. But if you want a really good one that I really enjoyed a lot, it was uh, Katie Hickman's uh, Bravehearted. So it was women in the American West, very similar to women in the Old West, but narrow scope, talked about Narcissa for about 20, 30 pages. It was very good. Also, if you have Ken Burns the West, they had half an episode on her. So go check those out. I enjoy it. Also, if anyone wants to message us, I'd like talking about the sources. I think it's fun because I'm weird like that. Remember, if you like what you heard today, go ahead and like and subscribe. Leave us a comment on whatever podcast service you are listening on. Uh, we really appreciate it. And you can always check out our website, ranking76.wordpress.com, where you will find a link to all of our social media, our email. You can see the scorecards. You can check out the other episodes you may have missed. Um, we really appreciate it. Well, that is everything. So until next time. I'm Eric. And I'm Matt. Hasta la vista.